Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, not a lot to announce this week. We are going to have some updates to the podcast format uh, coming to you in the next month or so. Uh, nothing too drastic, probably something along the lines of a four or five week rotation that includes some alternate things. Uh, for example, we've gotten a lot of really interesting hands that only have one spot worth discussing. And so we haven't really been able to include those in the current format of the podcast because we try and get you guys episodes where we talk about a few things. We might try and do some podcasts where we touch a few hands with one interesting decision point and kind of zip through everything else. Uh, anyways, there's some there's some new things coming up and we're going to be pressing you guys for feedback uh, when that arrives. But in the meantime, we've got a fairly standard, uh, although I think very good, episode for you this week. A reminder, we are brought to you by our partners, Solve for Why. Solve for Why is a unique poker coaching experience from high-stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself. Solve for Why is the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy, and Solve for Why is going to be diversifying their offerings in the very near future, so we will let you know as soon as possible what that looks like. Uh, but yes, again, for now, thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Zach. Hey, Jack. How you doing, man? Good. We got a bunch of listener hands from people playing in Vegas during March Madness uh, when we were out there. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to, or I hadn't looked at the listener hands recently enough to reach out to any of these guys to potentially say hello. But we have one hand from an aspiring pro at a Caesars 1-2 game the day before the ads of March. March 15th, an interesting day to be playing at Caesars Palace. But yeah, let's let's do this hand. Sounds good. So Hero is mid-20s, an aspiring pro. I was in Vegas for the week. I had arrived earlier in the day, so decided to ease into the trip with some good old Caesars Palace 1-2 action. And I know that's that was, I think, your favorite spot for 1-2 when you were playing more 1-2. Yeah, it's also where I've had my biggest winning session in terms of big blinds, so I always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, that was an awesome session. I was there, saw the mound of chips on the table. Uh, sight to behold. Hero goes on. I had been at the table roughly two hours and was relatively card dead. The table had been pretty nitty, but any time I'd raised, it had gone like five ways. Uh, so I wasn't sure if people just think that I'm young and aggressive or if I've been, or if they've been waking up with playable hands uh, when I raised. Uh, so the main villain is a mid twenties stoner-looking guy who's been at the table for an hour at most. Definitely not a pro. He has raised roughly ten times in CBET every single time. That's a good observation. Could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> the other villain is a middle-aged Asian dude who is super scared of variance. Basically, any time he's had a value hand. He will bet it and then flip over one of his cards to show that he isn't bluffing. For example, I sat down at the table and a hand was in progress where the board was 8, 9, 10 queen with 3 diamonds. He bet and then flipped over the jack of diamonds to make his opponent fold. And then said he didn't want to get drawn out on. He has done something similar at least 3 times. That is a guy you want to get into pots with. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, hero has 370. Main villain has 250. The other villain has 300. And as a reminder, we're playing 1-2, Caesar's Palace. So Hero is in the big blind. The card flip guy limps in middle position. The stoner raises to 10 on the button. And Hero looks down at Ace of Diamonds, Queen of Clubs. 
which is definitely in his three-bet range. But since the stoner is C-bet every single time, regardless of how many people are in the pot, Hero thinks that he can check-raise a lot of flops, most of which will be C-betting with air, uh, and the card flipper seems so scared of variance that he will likely fold anything less than two pair. So I decided to just call, and card flip guy also calls. So what do you think about this plan to check-raise a lot of flops instead of three-bet? I think it's a decent exploit against this player type. That being said, I think that, generally speaking, especially less experienced players are going to be more likely to think that someone is crazier than they are and to try to exploit them too much through like trapping and less through three betting. So as a general rule, I want to like stray away from doing things like this. But I think, you know, with the sample our listener has, this seems like a, a pretty special case where this is a nice exploit against that player type where you don't really know what they're going to do pre-flop. So there's a really strong incentive to kind of keep their keep their range really wide and, and see what they can do post-flop, where there's a lot of players that will very, very happily be really punt as the aggressor, and then the second someone shows aggression, they give up. And this seems like that could be that type of player, but we don't really have the evidence to, to know yet. Yeah. So I like the creativity here. I like the thoughtfulness or and the, and the desire to like take advantage of the mistakes we think our opponents are making. I would though I would caution though against this line for a few reasons. So when we have ace queen and we flat and then miss, when we check raise our opponent's c bet, most of his folding range will be hands that we're ahead of. It's not necessarily an issue out of position in a three way pot. We will have reasonable equity when called and weren't necessarily going to be doing super well by just calling. I do think it's worth pointing out that, that like ace queen is very often going to be sort of an ahead or behind type of hand when you raise, raise the flop after missing. And I think especially on boards where you flop equity, those are going to be boards that favor your opponent's range in the first place. And so it's going to be difficult to like get your opponent to fold a ton on like a king 10x flop. So that's that's part of it. I think also this player has C bet 10 times in a row. So I think it's a very likely that this player will C bet. That doesn't mean that he's going to miss. And it also doesn't, this is a three bet pot. And I think it would be a mistake to like assume that this player was going to C bet more than like 85% of the time. He could have had just a good run of cards and situations such that he was c-betting a lot and if he is c-betting every time he might understand that he c-bets a lot and have a proper defense for it anyway i just i would i would caution against like assuming this guy's gonna have a super wide range and c-bet literally 100 percent of the time it's an assumption that like can at best be basically it's like if you're playing as if this guy's gonna be c-betting 100 then either you're right or like it's worse for you yeah like if you were saying yeah. he was going to be C-betting 85% and then he actually is C-betting 100%, then your aggressive action is going to be better than if you, you're you assuming, if your play hinges on him being 100% C-bet frequency, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that makes, uh, makes perfect sense. I think when I was thinking about the strategy, I was thinking more about like our hero's strong range of value hands, where ace-queen specifically of that range benefits most from the three-bet preflop. Yeah, I think like this is a really good spot 
to not 3-bet with a hand like a suited connector because that's a hand that's going to flop equity or like flop some sort of draw at a high frequency, especially on boards that connect worse with the strong part of an opening range. And that's a spot where we can be aggressively check-raising the flop, even like when we flop a pair. And I think that's going to be a really profitable strategy relative to 3-betting. Uh, with ace queen offsuit specifically, I think you will make more money by three betting here. That's just my hunch. I think the other mistake you're making in terms of check raising at a high frequency on the flop is that we assume that since the card flip guy it doesn't like to get drawn out on, that he's just going to fold everything that's worse than two pair. And I just I don't think that's a safe assumption to make. I think it's a reasonable assumption that he's not going to be like calling with bottom pair or with like a shitty flush draw if you raise, but if he has top pair, I just don't I don't think he'll fold even if you raise. I would be surprised. What do you feel about like pocket kings or pocket aces pre-flop? I think those are like this is a good time to flat against this player type given what we've observed so far. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. I think it's very I think it's a reasonable thing to consider. It's just not so much better than like it doesn't strike me as likely to be so much better than just be bidding now yourself with aces and kings, potentially building a massive pot pre-flop. What are the sack tops again? Hero has three seventy, and the main villain has three fifty. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do think it's a really good thing to consider. I, I, I like it. I mean, I think fighting aces here is a very good idea. Fighting kings is a pretty good idea. Yeah, I like it. The other thing about this spot is like the formation's not great for you for this plan. If the stoner was like on the cutoff, and then the card flip guy called him the button, and you're in the big blind. I would like the play with ace-queen better. Since you're going to have better information after this guy c-bets, you won't be the first to respond. Uh, I would also like this play better if we were in position, like if if we were on the button instead of the big blind and the stoner was raising the cutoff. That's that's another time I would like potentially flatting more pre-flop with hands like ace-queen given the high c-bet frequency. Uh, but that's just because we can play as a call more profitably versus that high seabed frequency. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of thoughts on the on the plan. Uh, I want to move on to the flop. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Go fuck yourself. All right. From Zach, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I just marked, by the way, I just marked the show as explicit. So oh, good. Uh, we're going to be yeah. swearing a little bit more now. We've gotten away with a lot. Yeah. Given not having that. <laughs> So hopefully no, no kids were in the car. If they were, I'm sure they weren't listening. Yeah. Flop comes, king of diamonds, ten of diamonds, five of spades. And we have, to recap, ace of diamonds, the queen of spades. Okay. Yeah. Two back doors. We have a gut, yeah, gut shot. Sp- spades and diamonds. spades. And what? Double, double uh, flush draw. I'm just are you joking? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have backdoor diamonds, gut shot, an overcard, uh, a queen that could very well be good if we hit it. So, hero checks, the card flipper checks, and the stoner bets, as we expected, $20. Although, we would not expect the stoner to fold very much. Or, sorry, this is this is a good board for the stoner. Uh, so, yeah. I think, like, it's a good time for him to 
to see bet 100% of his range because he's going to have very good board coverage here. The stoner bets $20, and this seems like a great check-raising flop to me as I have the nut flush, draw blocker, and a gut shot. Yeah, your hand just turns really well, and, you know, most importantly, like, I think when you make a plan, like, if you have your reasons for it, you should, you know, unless you get some kind of crazy amount of new information, you should go with that plan as opposed to do what a lot of people do, which is kind of justify in the moment a plan based on, like, what they're feeling without much analysis. Mm -hmm. I do think check calling here is reasonable. Like, I, I just don't think we're getting, we're not getting the stoner off a king, you know, probably not a 10 on the street, which is okay. Like if he calls with a 10 on the street, cause we can, we can triple barrel with his hand, but yeah, I think when we check race here, it's going to look like a draw a lot of the time. Like we have fives and king 10 and that's maybe tens, but when the stoner has a king or a 10, uh, he's going to have a very good hand to continue with. And then again, I, I'm not positive that like the other player is just like auto folding a king. So I wouldn't mind calling and seeing how the card flipper responds and what the play is on the turn. Because I think a lot of what we get to fold here are hands that we have pretty much kind of crushed. And this is definitely like a hand that we could always just go ahead and check raise most turns. So I don't mind calling. But given our read and our position and our hand. I think check-raising is totally a solid play. And Hero decides to go to, for a relatively small raise size of $50. Hero writes, My thinking behind this was that I would actually rather stone a guy call and then be able to get him to fold on the turn when I barrel again. Card flip guy is visibly annoyed at my check-raise and shows his cards to the guy next to him before shaking his head and mucking. Hero writes, I don't know if this weights him more toward a flush draw, straight draw, or top hair, and I don't know if it should factor in my ranging of stoner at all. Stoner does call relatively quickly. Uh, and I, I do think it should factor in. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know of which of those it's, it's likely to be. It's just I think it's likely to be one of those. I guess the thing to discuss here is like sizing. Do you like the idea of sizing small? I definitely think we should be, we're probably barreling most turns, but I don't necessarily like sizing small. I think kind of a more medium size sizing here around just a little over 3x a little under pot should be utilized like we just with our exact hand you know we don't want to incentivize our stoner villain to to peel pretty wide yeah i agree i mean again it's a lot easier for us to have a draw than a value hand here especially if our opponent holds a 10 which is kind of like the range i guess we're targeting with this sizing that we expect him to fold on the turn. On the flop or the turn? I think when we sized it at 50 on the flop, we're expecting him to call, or in, then expect to be able to blow him off hands on the turn. I think really the hand that we're talking about is like 10x. There's not a lot of other hands I would expect this guy to like have much of a decision with on the flop and then fold the turn at a high frequency. Like I think he's not going to fold the turn at a high frequency with the king. And so... This is a spot where you need to know, in my opinion, if you're going to double barrel or triple barrel. I like this size better if you're planning on triple barreling. The thing is, stacks are a little awkward for a triple barrel. You know, so it's going to be 130 on in the pot on the flop, and we're going to have the effective stack is going to be like 290. 
And so if we bet like we could go half pot, full pot, which is reasonable. I think that's a reasonable play. It just now we're like kind of dragging these one pair of hands along pretty easily. Basically, what I'm getting at is I think this might be a better play as a larger sizing here on the flop and then like shove a lot of turns or expect to like bet large on the turn a lot and not go for it on the river. So I just think this is something you have to decide. And whatever you decide, just make sure you're sizing a way to get the hands that you can get to fold for like a two barrel bluff versus a three barrel bluff to fold and set your sizings accordingly. Yeah, just be consistent. Think about the plan. So that all becomes moot because you turn a jack. So jack of spades in the turn. So we've got the nuts. Hero rights at this point, I was planning to bet again on pretty much any turn that isn't another king. Sonar doesn't seem like a good enough player to really be putting me on a range and will just see my check raise and then turn bet as a sign of pretty high strength. I'll just point out that like, your check raise and turn bet is a pretty high strength. So I don't think that that would be a mistake from villain to read your read your play in that manner. Hero writes, so I turn to nuts. At this point, he has the effective stack with around $290. So I want to be able to get it all in by the end of the hand if he has anything. I lead out for $110, and I'm relatively surprised to see a call. So what would you do here, Zach? How would you size? No, on the turn. I assume you would bet. Or would you just would you opt to go for a check shove? So I think when we pick the sizing on the flop, we're gonna see a mix of draws and one pair of hands here. And given villain's propensity to just like bet, I think there's a pretty strong argument for a check raise, and that this jack I think brings, like, you know, if he had queen jack, now he has a pair of jacks. If he had a one pair hand, he could have a two pair hand now. And then just because he's been betting a lot before, maybe when you check here, he feels like he needs to bet for protection against, like, a flush draw with his one pair hands. So it's really just a question of, like, do you feel like this villain is going to be competent enough to, like, when you take this line, double check raise line, or not necessarily competent enough, but to just how they're going to view it. Are they going to view this as pretty value-heavy? Because I know at 1-2, that's how I'm viewing it. And how I think a lot of aggressive, even with kind of maniacish players, this is something they are good at with understanding when they're getting played back against and understanding when they're, you know, when they're beat. But just given how crazy this player's been playing and how I think they have the propensity to bet, like, when check to, and when, has, when they have the ability to be aggressive, they're going to go for it. I think it's a solid time to just you know, check ship it, you know, you kind of put someone in a spot where basically everything becomes a bluff catcher then. And if they have a draw that they flow to the flop with, I think they're definitely betting. So I think I like the check raise. Yeah, I think I think a check raise is a pretty good play here. I think we should be able to get it in pretty easily against Jack-10, King-10. Jax is even a possibility. A lot of the check raise comes down to like, how he's going to play hands like king x of spades, 10 x of spades, king queen, jack queen, 10 queen, 10 nine. If he's going to be checking back those types of hands at a high frequency, then I like betting better. 
But I think a lot of those hands will bet, especially someone with a high C-bet frequency. It just seems like this person is more comfortable betting than checking and making decisions later. So check shove is a pretty good idea. Another reason I like it is because you have the ace of diamonds. This is a good combo to include in the checking range because almost all hands you have pretty much crushed like if he has king x or 10x of spades then that kind of sucks but those hands are still drawing pretty thin against you and if you bet you know they're they're likely to realize the full extent of their their equity no matter what you do so another play like so here's here's another reason why I kind of like betting bigger on the flop if you bet bigger on the flop I think you can just sort of shove on this card which is a pretty nice way to play it since I think a lot of the hands that we expect our opponent to have and that might not bet, uh, but would call a bet, will also call a shove on this turn card. Hands like queen-jack, queen-ten, king-queen. I see those calling a shove at a high frequency if you had made it, say, 70 on the flop instead of 50. I think most of those hands would call the 70. And now you would have 250 in the stacks, and 210 in the pot and you can just shove so that's a that's an option that you make a lot trickier for yourself by raising small on the flop so that's something to consider but yeah it's hard to go wrong here i think betting 110 is fine and when you write you're relatively surprised to see a call i think that shows that you're not ranging your opponent properly like i think this is a card that is really quite good for your opponent and a lot of his hands are going to connect with this card and and pick up equity such that like I would expect your opponent to call very often on this card. So yeah, I think, I think betting 110 is fine. I think check shoving might be better just because I think your opponent's going to make some betting mistakes here and have a lot of hands that are two pair plus or a pair plus draw hands that are not going to fold to your shove. Yeah. So at this point hero writes, my range for him is king-10 plus queen-jack. I think he would have re-raised his sets on the flop. Maybe some queen-x diamond draws. I wasn't really paying too much attention to the backdoor flush. You should also include a queen-10 and king-queen here, and I think maybe you're underestimating your opponent's ability to call with a hand like is-king, or... I mean, is-king I think is definitely going to call. Is-10 might call. King-9 my call yeah i think your opponent could also have like some queen nines here although a lot of those would raise your opponent really could have ace queen too and just be flatting to be tricky so i think this is a bit of a narrow range you're assigning him okay so the river brings an interesting card the ten of spades it's the final board king of diamonds ten of diamonds five of spades jack of spades ten of spades pot is three hundred and fifty dollars and we have like 180 in the stacks. This is a shove. I'm not even going to ask Zach what he thinks. I know it's not a great card to see, but it's a shove. But wait, what if he, he might lose now, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might lose, but we're not check folding. And we don't want to let our opponent check behind a lot of hands like Ace King, King Queen, King Jack. Jack X, you know, 10-9, who knows? Queen 9, 
we still have a lot of value targets and you're just not you can't check fold here and so i think you're just you do better just putting in the money yourself understanding that you're going to lose to king 10 jack 10 and king x of spades at some frequency so hero writes definitely not a card i love to see however i think the only boat this gives him will be the six remaining combos of king 10 and again i'll just point out that i think jack 10 is a very likely combination to see here here goes on i assume he would have re-raised kings tens or fives on the flop he folded jack 10 and folded jack 10 on the flop to my check raise and yeah i think you're just vastly overestimating like how often your check raise to 50 is getting folds Hero writes, I don't see myself folding if he shoves, so I decided to go all in. While in my head wondering if this is too thin, value of a bet. And fill in snap calls and flips over king of spades, line of spades. Yeah, it's a tough beat, but I think you made a lot of good decisions and good observations. I think there are some optimizations Zach and I recommended that could get you a little bit more profit, especially on other runouts. Uh, and I think that you're making some mistakes ranging this player a little bit too tightly post-flop and maybe underestimating how draw-heavy your flop check raise to 50 looks. But yeah, I think a lot of good things on this in this hand. Zach, anything to add about our villain's line, villain's demeanor? Nope. Villain writes, uh, I was really not paying much attention to the backdoor flush, but obviously it's something I should have considered. Him calling my check raise on flop with king nine is something that I am typically happy about because I can likely get him to fold most turns where he doesn't pick up two pair or a flush draw. My main queen of spades, or sorry, that questions, QS, capital Q, lowercase s. My main questions are what do you guys think about the small check raise size on the flop? Are there any cards I shouldn't bet out on the turn and was shipping the river too thin? I think we've addressed most of that. Are there cards you shouldn't bet out on the turn? No. I think I think most cards uh, you can bet out. I think a queen is the only one where you should maybe consider something different. Uh, check call might be best, but yeah, I think anything else is is good. Just the main thing is like there are some turns where after making this size, I would size small on the turn to size big on the river. For example, on a nine turn, a lot of your opponent's hands that I expect to continue on the flop, like jack 10, queen 10, king queen, king jack, are never folding turn. And so you have to, if you're ever going to get those to fold, it's going to be on the river. And so I would size down on the turn so that you can set up a pot size river shove. Awesome. 